All right, well, good morning. Really good to have you with us. Uh, I got the privilege of sharing this morning, and I wanted to start with a bit of a story. Some of you might know that I'm attempting to be a hunter, and uh, I had the privilege this last fall to head up to Fort St. John, and I was in grizzly bear country. And, uh, you know, one of the things with grizzly bears is that you have to stand your ground if you happen to encounter them. And uh, they're not a small animal. I'm going to put a couple of pictures up on the screen for you just to show you uh, what I got to see. Um, this was a, probably a female grizzly bear, and her footprint was much larger than my boot, as you can see. We figured that bear was probably 10 feet long. That was a big bear. But one of the things that I can say is that, you know, with grizzly bears, that if you are to encounter one, and thankfully that was as close as we got, but if you are to get close to one, that you're supposed to stand your ground. And if you want to live, don't run, don't scream, don't react. Just stand your ground and make yourself known. And that's what's required if you want to get through that experience. And thankfully I didn't, and we just got to see the paw prints. But you know, I've been thinking a lot about uh, the importance of standing our ground. And I was considering the life of Paul. And he was somebody that knew how to live. And he knew how to stand his ground. And this morning, I want to go in and jump into a scripture in Philippians. And when we look at Philippians, Paul's writing this epistle from prison. So he's writing and he's stuck in prison in Rome. It's about 61 or 62 AD. And he's trying to spur this church on. He wants to spur this church to live for Jesus. You know, as you read through chapter 1, we get some very significant texts that we often quote, you know, in Philippians 1, 6, the word says, and Paul's writing, he says, he who began a good work in you will be, uh, will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. And if you keep going a little bit further, you also see Paul with this big revelation where he says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You see, Paul was committed to the gospel and, and it was an unshakable faith that he had in the gospel. And as he's writing to the church of Philippi, we can see that he wants to spur them on. He wants to be with them, but he can't, and he's stuck in jail, so he writes this letter. And we're going to pick up in verse 27 and 28 of chapter 1, and we're just going to dive in and look at these two verses and just see what he says for us, because I think that there's some very real things that are going to be helpful for us today. So in verse 27, it says this, if you want to turn with me, it says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you and hear, of that, hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God, from God. So the main premise of what he's saying here when we look at this uh, is that we're to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ, no matter what, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. God has called us to live a life worthy of the gospel, and we're going to dive into this. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to Mike's message last week, I want to encourage you, take some time, go back and listen through. Mike did a great job of just unpacking the significance of the gospel, the heart and the purpose of the gospel for us as believers. And I want to encourage you, take some time and go back and reflect on it. We're coming up on Easter, and this is absolutely a time where we should just be reminding ourselves of the significance of Jesus and what he did for us. 
And, you know, for us, this message of the gospel, if maybe this is new and you're wondering, what are you talking about, Paul? The message is simple, that Jesus died for our sins and that he made a way to restore us right to right standing with God. He restored us right into an intimate relationship with him. And as we read this passage, uh, it's important that we make something clear, that when Paul's talking about uh, living a life worthy of the call and worthy of the gospel, this is not about salvation. And this isn't somehow uh, a case of us repaying Jesus back for something he did. There's nothing our efforts could do. There's nothing our works could do that could replace or repay Jesus for what he did on the cross for you and I. So for us, we know that the gospel is simply that our faith in Jesus alone is what restores us to God. And then it's what brings us into this eternal kingdom. It's what brings us into this place and into the purposes of God. We know that the gospel is what gives us identity. It gives us purpose as we come into his kingdom. And then he appoints us. I don't know why he chooses us, but he appoints us as representatives of him here on earth. And he gives us the commission to spread this message to those around us and to the world. So for us, when we look at the scripture and it says, live a life worthy of the gospel, we know it's not about salvation, but it is about the fullness of walking in that salvation. It's all of what God has for us after that moment of commitment to our life to Christ. Uh, You know, I was thinking about it this way. You know, it's kind of like getting signed for a professional sports team and always sitting on the bench and never getting in the game, right? You know, we're to get in the game. We need to play. Sure, you might be that professional sports player, but if you just sit on the bench, we're not walking in all of what that entails. So when Paul's writing here and he says, live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ, what he's saying is that it is not enough to just know the gospel. We have to live the gospel. And, you know, he's referring to our manner of life. And what that means is it means the way that we live matters. The way we conduct ourselves matters. The priorities we emphasize in life matter. And what we give our time to matters. Paul is saying that whether I come and see you and witness it firsthand or not, as he's writing to the church of Philippi, he wants to see the testimony um, and hear the testimony of the fruit of their living. So there's, there's something that should be happening in us if we're living this out. You know, our life should be one that bears fruit and brings honor to Jesus. And this is what he's talking about. We know that living a life worthy of the gospel should produce fruit. It should produce the fruit of the gospel in our lives. People should be coming to know Jesus. We should be directing them to him just simply by the way that we live. And you know, as Paul's writing this passage in 27 and 28 of Philippians 1, there's two, I would say, two very critical things that he emphasizes here. And the first one is to stand firm. And the next one is to stand together, side by side. This is the way for us, friends. This is the way. He says, stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, side by side, right? striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And I just want to take a bit of time here and we're going to break this down for us. They're simple truths, but they're powerful. The first one is stand firm. So what are we to stand for? Are we to stand for our ideas, our opinions, our priorities, our plans? I'm not so sure. Let's consider this. 
When God brings us into community and he gathers us together, he gathers all sorts. We are a unique collection of people, aren't we? Some of you are very unique. You know who you are. You know who you are. But, you know, we know that as we gather that we, have, we are different people, that we have different opinions and different ideas, and sometimes we even disagree from thing, on things from time to time. Well, surprise, guess what? We're not all the same. Thank the Lord. We're unique. We're different. And God puts us together for purpose. And we're going to find things that we're going to view differently. And we're going to disagree on things. And maybe even have a hard time getting along with one another. But you know, this is why it's so important that we understand what we're to stand firm on. There's only one thing that we must stand firm on. That we must not compromise on. And that is the gospel. That is the gospel. I love what Paul says, and we often quote this in 1 Corinthians 2, 2. We see Paul says, he says, For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing else is worth standing on and nothing else is worth fighting for. You know, when you consider Paul, he could have bragged about anything. He could have bragged about his wisdom. He could have bragged about his experience. He probably memorized the whole Torah, that whole book that they were using as scripture back then. He would have known it. He would have known it all word for word, but he didn't, he didn't brag about it. You know, I'm sure Paul had great opinions, but that wasn't what he was promoting. It wasn't at all. He knew that the most important thing was the gospel. And he knew that all of us that would come after, including the church he's writing to, but also for you and I, that we must stand firm on the gospel. That is the thing that matters. And I have to say over the last few weeks, just in prayer and spending time with the Lord, the thing that stood out to me the most that I felt God saying is that now more than ever is the time for the church to rise up and to stand firm and to make sure we're standing in the right place. You know, it was probably a couple months back, but Nathan did a great job ministering out of the book of Ephesians on the armor of God. And I love what it says. It says in Ephesians 6, 13, it says, it says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, having done all to stand firm. You know, I just think about that for us. It's maybe you've been standing and I just want to encourage you. If you feel like you've been standing firm and you're in that place and maybe you're tired and weary, you know, the Bible encourages us and, is, and God is encouraging you. Continue to stand. Stand firm. God is going to see you through. This is not a season for us, church, to be casual. It's just not. You know, the Bible tells us that we are a people to stand for truth, to stand for righteousness, and that we are to stand unashamed of what we believe. In Romans 1.16, it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Nobody's left out here. The power of the gospel can reach anybody. And we need to stand firm on this. We need to stand firm on this because yes, there's going to be opposition. But more important than the opposition is that there is power in the gospel. And when we stand on the gospel, the power can be released. And God wants to release his power. This is why this is important. God wants to release his power to change lives, to change circumstances, to change situations, to heal, 
to restore. This is the power of the gospel. You see, faith in the power of the gospel is believing in the power of the cross so much so that that same power begins to work in us and works through us. And we need to be this people, friends, that stand firm. This church needs to stand firm. So right now, I want to encourage you, don't give the enemy an inch. Hold the line. Be unapologetic for what you believe. We need to stand for this message of the cross. And I truly, truly believe that God is going to empower us from on high. But it's going to start with us standing firm. And it's going to start with us standing firm in the right place, which is on the gospel. Nothing else. The gospel alone. The next thing that I wanted to highlight, there was two. The first one was to stand firm. The second one that is very significant is that we stand together, that we stand side by side. You know, if this year's revealed anything to us, surely it has revealed how much we need each other and how empty life is without relationships. You know, I was reminded this morning, my daughter, Audrey, she's uh, just older than four now, creeping on five. And she woke up this morning and on the way to school, she was singing in the back, the more we get together, the happier we will be. And I just, it's so simple. It is such a simple truth. And it's a biblical truth. And Paul writes it in this passage for us. You know, Philippians 1, 27, 28. And as you read into 28, it says, you know, he wants to hear that we are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You know, I want to say that you're not alone. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, you are not alone. Not only is God with you, but we have a body of believers and we're to be standing together. And if you need someone to stand with you, come and reach out, come and connect with us. Um, There's many ways in our community that you can do that now. I want to encourage you, come and reach out. God has called us to be a unified people, that we are to be one in spirit and one in mind. And that means standing firm on the same thing, right? but coming together and doing it together. And I believe that we need to be reminded of where to stand sometimes. I think we just need to be reminded of that. We need to help one another of where to stand. You know, I was thinking of a story uh, when I was in my, I think I was maybe 20 and 21. I had the privilege of going to Brazil to go help a church there. It's actually where I met my amazing wife. Um, But when I was in Brazil, I was in a really big city. I was downtown. I was with one of my new friends and we were walking around. We were walking the streets and, you know, I, I, we were about to cross a pretty busy street and somebody also was crossing with us and they kind of ran across and kind of weaved between the cars and they, they got to the other side, no problem. So, you know, I'm from Canada. So crossing the road, no problem, right? We just step out onto the curb and every car stops for us, right? Because people have the right of way here. Well, it's not like that in third world countries. And I stepped out onto the curb and my friend, he put his hand out. He put his hand out and he stopped me and he pulled me back onto the curb. And as he did that, a motorcycle came by that quick, so quick. And man, was I grateful because I had stepped out and it wasn't a safe place to stand, you know, and and he pulled me back to that safe place just because he was there. And I'm so thankful that he was there. And, you know, I think in many ways, friends, we need each other to make sure that we're standing in the same place, that we're standing in the safe place. 
You know, and God puts us together for these reasons. You know, he gathers us together. You know, us gathering is not man's good idea. It was God's idea right from the start. God puts us together in community. And we're to be a community of believers living in unity with one another. And this comes when we are standing firm on the gospel and we're standing together. It's so important we're standing on the same thing, which is the gospel, because it's so easy for us in our different ideas and opinions um, to to find disagreement. But we're going to find unity when we come around the gospel and we stand firm on that. And we need to be gathering together to do that. You know, it says this when it talks about us being together. It says that we're to be of one mind and one spirit. One mind means that we have a kingdom mindset, that we're thinking about the priorities and the agenda of heaven. In Colossians 3, 2, it says that we're to set your minds on things that are above, not on things on earth. That's important for us. And he says in one spirit, we know, we know that we have the same Holy Spirit leading and guiding each one of us and not to different places, to the same thing to stand firm on the gospel so that the power of the gospel can be released through us. Yes, we have different giftings. We have different abilities. I love the teaching that comes in 1 Corinthians 12. And I love how it also says, as it talks about these giftings and abilities, that, that we, we, yes, we have them and they're different, but it all comes from one and the same spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit who's at work in you and he's at work in me. And this is what unifies us. This is what holds us together with one mind and one spirit. So when we get this right, when we get this right, you know, we know, as it says in Psalm 133, that the commanded blessing of God comes and that he pours out when we stand unified. It just says that he he releases this commanded blessing when we stand in unity. So this is important. God wants to empower us to take this gospel, to take this mission of the gospel to the nations. He wants us to take it to the world. And we get to do it together. I'm so glad we're not doing it on your own. And if you don't know that, the gospel was not to be lived out on your own. So if you feel like you're in isolation and you're you know, just a believer unto yourself and you're hiding out on your own and you just kind of join us from time to time online, but you never really gather or connect um, with other believers. I just want to say that that's not what God has for you. His intent is that you gather in close, like family gathers, that we would do that. And I appreciate that these chimes are challenging. I get that. But we should know what God's intent is here and we should be pushing and striving for that. Side by side is what he says here. Side by side. This was God's intent. And it's this way that we can build each other up, that we can spur each other on, that we can help each other stand firm and stand together. You know, one of the realities uh, is that just as God wants to empower us for the gospel, sure, that there is a reality that there is also opposition. For sure, there's an opposition. Surprise, we have an enemy. I'm sure most of you have figured that out yet. But we do. We have an enemy. We have someone that wants to do the opposite. Um, You know, as God wants us to gather, we have someone that wants to do the opposite. Um, And he wants to separate us. And like, look at, let's look at what the message says here. I thought this was helpful when I read 27. It says, stand united. 
singular in vision, contending for people's trust in the message, the good news, not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition. Your courage and unity will show them what they're up against. Defeat for them, but victory for you, and both because of God. You know, the enemy wants to intimidate us. He does. The enemy wants to intimidate us. And we know that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against man. You know, we know that it's against principalities and powers. The enemy is at work to stifle the gospel from going forth further. That's what the enemy wants to do. I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget that we have an enemy. And when we think of opposition, we often think about those big things like it's very easy to tell. Yep, that's the enemy. Um, But you know, I think it's the subtleties that we miss. There's the subtleties of the work of the devil, the work of the enemy that we, that we miss. And, you know, it's often said that the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he doesn't exist. Some of those subtleties are really simple things, just distractions, lies, simple lies. The thing about a lie is that often, you know, it might have a little measure of truth, you know, but it sounds kind of like it's, you know, it sounds like it's authentic, but it's counterfeit. You know, the enemy comes and he tries to discourage us. I already said he wants to separate us, you know, and and he wants us to focus on the wrong things. He wants us to stand in the wrong place and to fight for the wrong things, you know. And when we do that, the enemy wins and he renders us ineffective for the gospel. And, you know, you know what's crazy when you consider this is that he will even try and distract us with good things. You know, the good things can even be a successful business or maybe it's your growing family. And those things inherent are good things. Those are great things. They are from the blessing of the Lord. Absolutely. But the enemy can even try and take the blessing of the Lord and cause it to take our gaze off of him and to get us to stand and put our faith and trust in the wrong things. This is why Paul emphasizes the importance of standing firm on the gospel and standing together. It's so easy to stand somewhere else. But if we want to see the power of the gospel moving in and through us, we've got to get this right. And I want to say that we can build our lives on this. We can stand in this place and God will release his power and his authority to move through us. So no matter what you face, no matter where you have found yourself, come and stand on the message of the gospel with us. Come and stand on the gospel with us. And can I end with this? Can we be a people that live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ? You're not alone. Let's stand firm and let's stand together. Amen. I just want to pray for us. God, I just thank you for the power of the gospel. Thank you for the reminder that we don't do this on our own. Thank you that you are with us and you put us in community And we ask you, Father, for your wisdom and how to go forward in this time. And I thank you for the reminder of your commitment to us, Lord. Lord, that we would be a people that live worthy of the call. God, that we would produce the fruit of the gospel in our lives. Father, for each one that's listening, God, I pray that you, you come and you draw them close. That you draw them close. I thank you that you are a good Father, that you have the best. And that we get to walk in the fullness of this relationship. Thank you for your word that teaches us how to do it. Amen.